0: Hello and welcome to the Sacred Shifts podcast with me, your host, Betty Lewis-Griffiths. As a breathwork facilitator, ceremonialist and sacred space holder, I support my clients through significant shifts in their lives, some planned and some a little more unexpected. I wanted to create a safe and informative space where we can have raw and honest conversations about life-changing shifts. We all go through them, so this podcast allows us to delve deeper into individual experiences when it comes to navigating these significant changes in our lives. From birth to death and everything else in between, welcome to the space where we speak openly about pain, purpose, passion, and the life-changing events that got us to where we are now. This podcast episode is sponsored by Projects Brighton. Now, everyone wants a sexy space to work in, don't they? So when I'm having a day at my laptop, I like to set up shop at one of Projects, two gorgeous co-working spaces here in the city. Projects Beach is, you guessed it, a stone's throw away from the beach on Ship Street and Nile Street is home to rooftop hangouts and this beautiful little podcast recording studio. Visit projectsclub.co.uk to grab your free trial day. Thanks to Projects for your support. And now it's time for the magic. Today's guest is Sim Stevens, an intuitive healer, psychic medium, witch, and dear friend. Sim helps the spiritually curious find their unique, innate inner magic, offering one-to-one circles and dedicated journeys with spirit, healing, and intuition mentorship. I am so excited to have this conversation as Sim started receiving messages from spirit at a very young age, And after many, many years of misunderstanding and suppressing her gifts, she only recently reclaimed her truth as a psychic medium. Over the last seven years, Sim has deepened her energy work, rooting her teachings in nature and reconnecting to our ancestral land through herbalism and aromatherapy. It has been an absolute honor to witness this path unfold for you over the last 14 years of our friendship, Sim. Welcome to the podcast. Hello,
1: very excited.
0: It is so amazing to be doing this. It's a proper full spiral moment of us coming together and just having a bit of fun and sharing our stories. I feel that like whenever we're together, there's always so much magic that we go into, so it feels really special to be able to weave that into something that we can share. I
1: know, it's almost like important documentation Mm of our thoughts.
0: Yeah, love it. So... Even just 10 years ago, you lived a very different life. You were working in the corporate world along with me. And as more of us awaken to this possibility that we can live a different way, create a different life, I would love just to hear a bit from you about maybe the whispers that led you to start taking this newfound path a bit more seriously, seeing it as a real job and giving you that trust to really step into the powers that you have. What were the pivotal moments or the sacred shifts that really led you to actually embrace it?
1: Mm, Really good question. Where to start? So I suppose, yeah, going back to working in the corporate world, it really felt like I was suddenly starting to notice how the ethos and ethics of that world, the corporate hustle every day, just wasn't aligning with me anymore. It felt really unfair particularly when I suppose the way we were treated sometimes just felt almost like this can't be right this isn't how we're meant to live our lives. I used to describe it as hurting my soul that's how I deeply felt it and it just I just felt so out of kilter with myself and I just really started to notice that not only in my mental health but also in my physical body and I obviously ignored it for quite a while, probably years, if I think about it now, until I was actually signed up from work with work-related stress. I was already working through some stuff with my mental health, with therapists, and I was actually on medication for depression and anxiety at various points. But that sign being signed up, having those weeks to really think about my health and my life and taking it seriously was the wake-up call. I would say that was the big kind of like, this just can't carry on like this. This is, this is crazy that I live like this and this can't be right in any way. So I would say that was probably one of the biggest sort of aha moments for me. But the whispers that had already been starting to land, I was already studying aromatherapy and energy healing at that point, but it was very much about myself and I saw it more as an interest or a hobby and not really anything that had come into my radar about maybe this is the path that I go down for other people and to support them. So it suddenly all started to click into place at that point and I was just like, well, why can't I make this happen? Why can't I now start putting the wheels into motion to shift my whole life, my whole career into something that feels way more aligned way more purposeful and that's going to help and support other people but from a place that I completely understand because this is my lived experiences as well so yeah the big moments but there were very very much whispers all of the time right
0: back to when I was a child as you Mm. mentioned earlier yeah just taking a moment just to really feel that because I agree with everything that you've just said it's like we move into these worlds, these paths that we believe that we're meant to follow. We learn from our teachers, from our caregivers, from everyone around us, from society. And so when things start to feel a bit off, it can be quite overwhelming to to feel like, oh, but I've got all of the stuff. I've got all of the things. I've got the great job, but it's not enough. It's not It's not feeling good. So yeah, just celebrating you for actually yeah, Thanks. getting to this point. And I know it's not been easy. And like you say, unfortunately, it did take you actually getting physically sick and being signed off work to give yourself that space to have a moment with yourself and listen to yourself. And I guess that is what you are part of now. Like You are part of supporting people to take those moments out of their day-to-day busyness, to actually come back to themselves, to tune in to who they are, to what they are, to what they want, what drives them. And to be constantly checking in with that, because it changes over time, it changes Mm -hmm. every day, it can change every hour. So I think it's really beautiful that like you say, you started on that path for you. But ultimately, that's usually what we all do, right? We're all on our own path to healing. But then as a result, we uncover all of this magic and these teachings and we craft our own teachings out of everything that we've learned and that's what makes them so unique mm-hmm. so yeah it's just really exciting to see how you're weaving all of those threads together in the work that you do now so I'd just love to know as well like as you were coming into this new world and these new roles things like an energy healer an intuitive healer a psychic medium they're all quite They're not like day-to-day jobs. They're not the (laughs) jobs that were like told to me, especially at school. Did you notice any resistance to seeing this kind of newfound mystical path? Was there any difficulty in really surrendering into claiming this path as yours and accepting it as a job?
1: Yes. Wow. All of that in itself has been a massive journey. It's been about Almost stripping back layers of versions of me that I have to unlearn and shed and re remember and relearn. So, just starting almost at that, what feels probably now quite a superficial level of getting rid of all of those things that you're taught in the corporate world like, oh, you're available 24 seven or your working hours are nine to five, like all of those things that are so ingrained in you. Just stripping back those kind of rules and boundaries that you suddenly don't have to follow, that's just in itself a strange feeling. Then it's coming down to, like you say, I suppose, the pushing through the idea of these jobs not really being everyday jobs, as it were, quote-unquote, and what then that has around what society tells you, what the papery have said about this being the way to live and all of those layers and very much still working through them all of the time so yeah it's been a journey every time I feel like I've worked through something there's almost a different version of it in a different way that shows up and even accepting that happening is a big part of the process and embracing my weirdness and my strangeness in some people's eyes is yeah has been awkward and difficult at points but I feel now coming more into it I feel really liberated mm. and just so aligned it's so hard to explain I feel like unless you're living and breathing it it is it is hard to articulate how mm. that feels so yeah it's it's huge and it's a life's work isn't it once you almost start on this journey of working on yourself it never ends but I'm here for it most of the
0: time <laughs> but
1: yeah it has its ups and downs but the the ups totally outweigh the downs
0: yeah beautiful i love it it makes me so happy to see you fully stepping in and like i always think if anyone had access to our whatsapp and listened to our constant <laughs> thread of voice <laughs> notes back to each other moving through the monthly cycle like navigating and supporting each other it's really beautiful that we met in the corporate world when yeah, we were so different what like 14 years ago So different. We had completely different ideas of what we wanted in life as well and a completely different understanding as to what is available and what is possible in life as well. Yeah. And we've been through it all together. We've lived together. We've got drunk together. We've done God knows what together. And so it was really beautiful that we ended up finding ourselves on our own individual healing paths quite separately, really. Yeah. But then, it's just it just weaves together it's like I witness you from afar you witness me and then we've ended up being able to bring our work together and create these spaces that are just so transformational which I just think is so beautiful and just reflecting on what you just said it's like that is when you know that you're aligned yeah when you know that you're living your soul's truth because it feels great like I held a ceremony for 20 people last night and Honestly, at one point during it, I just was like weeping because I was just like, this is why I'm here. This is what I'm Mm. here for. And often it's when I'm not doing the work, as in I'm not serving people with the gifts that I have, that's when I start to question myself. But when I'm actually standing there, holding ceremony, holding space, mentoring, whatever it might be, that is when I feel like I'm in my power. And it's really important to always come back to that. So thank you for sharing. I would love to just delve a bit deeper into what it is exactly that you do, what your gifts are. (laughs) So for anyone that is maybe unfamiliar with the practices of an intuitive energy healer, a psychic medium or a witch, it would be really beautiful for you to just share some insights really into what each of these roles entails and perhaps how you weave them together in your work.
1: Mm, Yeah, so this is uh, an interesting point and as I mentioned earlier, it's sometimes quite hard to articulate because... For me, this is ever-changing and growing as well. I was actually having this conversation with my husband last night, like, how, how would I explain to of what I do? Because some of it does sound very bizarre, and I, and I understand that. For me, it's about very much working with energy, and whether that comes from journeying into the world of spirit or unconscious, cosmic, universal source energy – I see that as all as one connected thing and that's how it connects with me. So therefore, it then comes out in these different modalities that I work with. So if I'm working in an energy healing session then there I'm working with universal source energy, helping to support people to remove blocks or bring things back into alignment that then will help them to go on and continue their healing journey. This isn't about me being the healer that's always about you yourself but of course sometimes that can blend with me tapping into maybe spirit guides that they're connected to who maybe want to jump in or past loved ones so a a client of mine actually summed it up really well the other day she said you you're just so connected in all of the realms it must be really crazy for you in (laughs) your mind and I was like yeah but that actually being connected in all these realms is probably how I would describe it so then I suppose that That also then goes into my psychic mediumship, which is all about connecting not only with past loved ones, but also people's spirit guides. I am able to tap into that energy as well, sometimes past life as well. So again, it's working into this idea that we work and we live interdimensionally and in these realms. And I know, again, this sounds so out there because sometimes me saying it sounds so out there. But it's exciting. So when I'm in that role, for me, being able to connect with people's ancestors or past family and friends, that's always about finding the connection, messages of love and support that they want to share with people who are earthbound still. And those messages come from the purest of love. They are always about guidance and empowerment. And that is also part of so many of us part of our own journeys to receive those messages so that is my role is to pass those messages on and it's the same if I'm connecting with any of your spirit guides angels ascended masters if you work in that way as well so it's always coming back to the intention of empowering people and making them see that they can live a life that's fully in alignment and they can be more intuitive with their own journey I suppose then Coming into the witch element, for me, that sort of encapsulates all of it. I feel like calling myself a witch is really bringing all of my powers together. I also, as I mentioned earlier, had almost this calling to start working with plants through aromatherapy and herbs. And I suppose that for me was like my biggest draw into this world. So I feel like there's a real honor with the earth in that way and how I can intuitively work with oils and plants and just know that they're the combination that need to support clients again to always bring them back to a position that is about empowering them also I I love all of that like juiciness that comes with being a witch in the idea of ceremony Mm -hmm. and ritual and I feel like again that really brings me home and that really brings me into alignment so wherever I can splash that into my client work, whether that's in circles or giving people little mini spells to do at home or sending people away with ideas on how they can practice. I just, again, feel like that's all about giving that empowerment and the tools for people to be empowered by themselves as well. So and again, it's so ingrained in us to work with nature in that way. We're all a witch in our own ways and it's just reminding people that they can play in those ways as well. So yeah, I think that sort of brings it all together. It's yeah, it's just a wonderful combination of things that I, I love doing. And I think again, the way that I work It means that I can draw on tools that maybe I can then tailor and make more bespoke for people who want to work with me. Of course, a mediumship reading might resonate with someone more than energy healing. So it's really about having all of those aspects to connect people to the energies.
0: Gorgeous. Wow. Yeah, I feel quite emotional hearing you speak. I don't know if you noticed my eyes glassing over yeah, just really receiving all of that. I think it's so important to just reflect on the fact that, yeah, this work is so unique. And yes, whilst you offer these beautiful offerings, really it's down to the person, the person that comes into your space, right? And how open they are and what it is that they want to receive. I really felt it in my body when you said that it's all about love. It's all about messages of love and it's empowering. I think sometimes there's this idea that connecting with spirit is this freaky scary thing and like mm. these evil spirits are trying to contact us and all of that and whilst yes that that kind of thing, which maybe we'll get on to <laughs> I think it's really important that this work can be so beautiful and so intentional and yeah like it's something that personally I've really deepened my kinship with following the, the death of my mum in 2021 and you've been a massive part of that journey whether you realize it or not you've You've brought me many messages from my mum and I think it's been such a supportive tool for me, helping me on my own apprenticeship with grief, helping me connect, understand and to really, yeah, be open to the truth, what things are now and how things look like and what my relationship looks like to my mum. And I think the thing to remember is that like, when someone dies, yeah, okay, they're not here physically, but... To me, it really feels like she's with me more now than she ever was, which is often quite weird for people to hear and maybe even triggering if you've lost someone yourself. But I would really invite you to just sit with that thought and feel into it because you start to notice things around you more when you've lost someone that you love. You start Mm -hmm. to see the beauty in everything. And it doesn't happen overnight, but I feel like it actually did for me. It was almost like I had the privilege of being there when my mom died and I got to see her leave her body. Mm. And that I think has helped me in all honesty with the whole process. And yeah, obviously I still have days where I'm just crying because I want my mom. I want to see her, I want to hold her. But then it is an opportunity and an invitation to come back to nature, to come back to connecting with spirit, to come back to myself. And so yeah, receiving those messages that you have given me from her have been just so life-changing, really, because it's almost like I've known the things that you're sharing with me, but perhaps I lose trust with myself in that moment. And so being in a space of safety with you channeling messages from my mom is just such a beautiful gift. And yeah, I just really want to invite people to see it as this beautiful thing rather than this kind of scary thing. So, for anyone that is listening that is maybe a little bit skeptical or is doubting maybe this conversation or wondering what the hell we are talking about, how would you maybe describe the process of communicating with spirits and providing these messages that you do so beautifully?
1: Mm, so, I would just say we are all a skeptic until it happens to us, which I love that saying because I think it just really enables us to be a bit more open-minded about the whole process of being able to talk to dead people because I get that thanks to Hollywood and all sorts of things we have very different ideas about what that looks like like you were saying earlier is it a scary thing and all of that but you know for me that process as I mentioned is all about connecting with a past loved one who wants to come forward with a message that is pure and intentional and comes from a place of love and support and often just like you said about your mom these messages are so so I would say probably 90% of the time when I'm doing readings they're things that you already know they're things that have been niggling you your intuition has probably already been trying to communicate that with you so these messages should really offer validation and empowerment as well as some guidance and support. They should never be crazy, out there, warnings or triggering in that way. If you're working with a medium or a psychic in that way, it should be always from this place that is safe. And for me, that's how I embody that. So I will always work Mm -hmm. with coming into a place of pure love within myself, within my own energy before I start the process of connecting to spirit. And that's a whole other thing that has to go on in my head. But you know it's it takes time to learn how to do that and it, it again it comes with all those layers I mentioned earlier of shipping back the stories and being more confident in your own ability but I completely understand that people could be skeptical and doubtful of the whole thing but my thing is just be open and have no expectations about what also is going to happen and you can really then just allow the magic to come through. I do obviously sometimes have readings where people do come and you can almost feel when they enter the room that they're they're not open to this. And then, of course, that doesn't help within the reading because that also sends the messages to your loved ones or spirit guides that maybe you're not ready for it. So, of course, that can then, that doubt can filter into the energies and that can also make things hard. So if you are... Thinking about it, I would always say make sure you're truly ready. You don't have to be 100% sure, but if you're leaning more towards it, then go for it.
0: Yeah, gorgeous. I agree. It's really something to sit with and open up to when you're ready for sure. And I'd love to really delve into now the juiciness of hearing a bit about your journey and how you discovered that you had this ability to connect with the spirit world and perhaps sharing a little bit about what was your journey like in accepting and developing this gift?
1: Mm. So I was able to see and connect with spirit when I was a child to the point that my parents actually thought I had an imaginary friend and they were quite concerned about my mental well-being. But I innately know now, And have completely fully accepted that these, one in particular friend I had was definitely a spirit who was my guide when I was a a very small child. Having had conversations with my parents now as well, they are very open about the fact that they actually knew that, but they were probably more afraid of what was going on than I was, which I think is so beautiful that we can have those open and honest conversations now. And that's really been part of my journey as well, is that maybe being told as a small child that I wasn't seeing those things and that was silly and that was unbelievable. To now have that validation that that wasn't true was has been a massive part of me accepting my own gifts. So I think my journey started probably way back when I was two or three. But then over the years as I, I suppose, became more intuitive and more connected with myself and really started to give myself that permission, it was almost just like the signs were so glaringly obvious that I couldn't avoid it anymore. I was having my, my own past loved ones visit me in dreams, almost telling me that this is what I needed to be doing. I had other psychic mediums telling me that that's what they were seeing and getting messages about as well. I remember going into a bookshop one day and the first three books I looked at that were on the first shelf I saw were how to become a psychic medium. And I was like, okay, this is literally trying to smack me in the face now. And when I started to start to read and research about it and think, is this something that I should be doing? The way that other psychic mediums described how they worked and their journeys just sounded so similar. And again, I was like, it was like I was finally being seen and heard by people who I just thought some of the things that I felt, saw, sensed, the way my mind worked and connected with things, I always actually put it down to that I was maybe just a little bit odd and strange, but perhaps I was an overthinker. that it was maybe to do with my mental health, but and a lot of it I actually put down to being dyslexic. I thought, oh, that's just how my brain's wired, not, oh, actually that could be a spirit trunk contact you. And now that I've accepted that that is what's happening it just it then comes in in floods and then having to work to control that and allowing and having those boundaries with spirit has been very interesting. Mm, yeah. Even this morning I messaged you to say oh I've just got to clear some energy out of the house that <laughs> we have some active energy and again this is something that I'm Always learning about where those boundaries and that control needs to be to be uh, working in this professionally and Mm. sensibly, I think, is the the key point. But yeah, just a long string of signs and symbols that, Mm. as I say, were almost then so obvious that I then decided I didn't want to come at this from a kind of wishy-washy, woo-woo place. Like, oh, I see dead people, I can be... Doing Ouija boards and all of that, and i and pretending I knew what I was doing, I actually probably feel like i've used some of my skills from my corporate world in that I wanted to then get the insights, do mm-hmm. the research, do this properly, learn from other people who have learned and do this do this well mm-hmm. in that sense, and also I have real empathy with the fact that people who come to a psychic or a medium there's often a reason that they're coming and that is often to do with transformation or change or trauma that has been going on and therefore when you are connecting with people's past loved ones you have to do that with love and empathy and the purest intention Mm -hmm. and not to be dabbling or playing with people's emotions in that way so that has always been such a huge factor for me about really wanting to know that what I'm doing and I'm doing it well because Mm -hmm. that is so important and those messages are so important those things that you share could be for some people absolutely life-changing and and sometimes they're not sometimes the messages are fun and it's just what they needed to hear but sometimes they're so powerful as well so for me it that journey has been big and I'm always wanting to learn more I think the the world of spirit and energy in that sense is so complex and amazing and beautiful and we don't know all of it we're not meant to know all of it and that's what keeps me so excited sometimes a little bit overwhelmed but Mm. I'm always continuing to look at how I can learn more and I say train but it I feel like when I go into some of these trainings, it's actually validation that I already knew how to do it, but it, again, it's like this articulating it, it bringing it to other people in a way that then makes more tangible sense, because in my mind, sometimes it is a bit uh, out there. So it's, it is training and it is learning. And I just think when you're in this world, that continues on and on. You could go forever. Totally. Well, you could in this lifetime <laughs> and in many to come, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> well you're
0: definitely devoted to the path you're devoted to the practice and you're devoted to the spirit realm that's for sure there's not a day where you're not committed to that path and being someone that's close to you, you can really see that this is your life and you <laughs> take it very seriously and yeah. i think it's really beautiful that you do everything with such integrity and uh, yeah you create such beautiful safe spaces that make it easy for someone that even is a bit skeptical come in and be open to receive. I would love to hear from you a little bit about the different ways in which you maybe receive and interpret the messages from the spirit realm if you're open to share.
1: Yeah, so this is often described as something called the clairs. So I am lucky enough to be able to communicate with several of the clairs. So the one that we probably all know most is clairvoyance, which is actually the clear seeing of things. So sometimes I will see things drop into like my mind's eye. It might be symbols or pictures or actually sometimes the actual spirit or the person or the guide, admiral, whatever. So I will see them in my mind's eye. Then there is clear audience, which is clear hearing. So this is something that has only really started to happen for me in the last year where I will actually hear as if someone is in the room. This actually first happened to me when I was on a trip in Cornwall last year and I was all on my own and it was quite overwhelming because I was like, whoa, what is going on? I heard that so, so clearly, but I was in a field all on my own. So it was quite a powerful, it was a magical place to be. So I knew it was coming, but now it comes in and out. So that's definitely something that I'm learning about now. I also have clear empathy so I can feel emotions so sometimes if people come through to me I can feel maybe how they felt about certain situations or I can sometimes actually physically feel in parts of my body how they may have passed. Wow. Which is sometimes really helpful if you're trying to get validation on who the person is. If I feel pain in my chest it's often maybe it could be that there was an issue with their lungs or their heart and Or the head, it may have been a brain injury or something. So that's really helpful for that. Also, clairsentience, which is a clear feeling. So this is just, you've just got a feeling and a a clear feeling about something. Again, this can be quite intuitive as well. I'm very lucky that Mm -hmm. I can dabble with all of these different ways that I can communicate. Sometimes that can be quite overwhelming when some of them are coming in all at once my clairvoyance is working my empathy and it it takes time to separate and connect i haven't actually been able to yet and it may come in at some point it may not but some people are really able to taste and smell things when they connect with spirit which i think is really fascinating hasn't happened to me yet but who knows when you start tapping in your your abilities change over time, as I said, I didn't have audio till a year ago. So it's something that something I'm open to because spirits are listening. <laughs> wow, I
0: love it. That's incredible. Yeah, I mean, it, to me, that sounds like extremely overwhelming because even I'm connected to spirit, but like obviously not to the depths that you are in this moment. So even some days for me, it's overwhelming when I get really, really clear messages or feelings or there's things that kind of happen. So how do you walk the path between both those worlds, the the here and the now, the physical realm, and then the spirit realm?
1: So for me, this is being really clear with my own boundaries, as I mentioned earlier with the spirit world, which you alluded to earlier, because, and I have learned this actually quite recently, last summer, but if you're leaving yourself too open, when you're playing and working with the spirit energies, of course, there are dark energies as well. Just like we are here living in a human life on earth, there are good and bad. There are good and bad in the spirit world as well. And you have to remember that. I think it's very easy to get swept up into it all being love and light. And these messages are all about pure love. And of course they are, if you're working with that intention. Of course, there are ways that you can work without that intention not something that I go in for but I have learned that actually I have to be very clear with my boundaries with the spirit world but also that then means I have to be very clear with my boundaries in the physical world here so the very basics of that are ensuring that I am clearing my energy all the time this is not just to clear off energy of spirit that I might be connecting with this is the energies that I pick up in places and spaces and of people around me. So that to me is a part of my daily process now to ensure that I'm always clearing my energy so that I am a clear vessel for the messages when I tap into that. Also, the other thing is ensuring that I'm grounded. Um, Again, just making sure that I'm rooted down allows me to come at this with integrity and from the best intention Rather than floating off into my own strange world and not seeing everything as it truly should be. So being grounded is really important. And then I suppose the most important one is the protection Mm -hmm. of my energy and making sure again that that is happening daily for me. That I'm protecting not only my own physical and energetic bodies but my spaces that I work in that they are also cleared and grounded and protected. This has become a huge sort of ritual that I have to do. Well, I don't have to do, but mm-hmm. I do it because I want to work sensibly and with the best intention. So this has become part of my daily life. It's a practice that I do every day and there are different elements to how I clear or ground or protect. But I would say for me, that is almost good energy hygiene. Mm. And I know so many practitioners would agree and probably do those processes for themselves if you're doing energy work or healing of course you should be doing that as well but I think if you are also working with spirit those three elements are like your
0: bread of butter as mm. it were to to the start of how you work so yeah very key amazing yeah that all sounds very sensible and I totally agree I think you can really tell when you haven't set aside the time or, yeah, brought in those protective practices. I know when I first started holding deep transformational space with breathwork, I was completely wiped out and actually in quite a difficult place with it all. And I don't think I really appreciated the depths of the energy that you take on as your own. And I just wanted to come back to something that we've spoken about before. For anyone that's listening, it's being really aware or where you are and the energy that you surround yourself with there's a lot of chat on instagram with the memes and stuff about like the law of attraction and all of that but for example i know you said before about spending time in pubs like you used to find it really difficult in pubs and there's a reason for that that the energy in a pub it's like often people are going there to drink alcohol to perhaps disconnect from something that they're carrying or something that they're Mm -hmm. holding so yeah it's really interesting and perhaps like these practices that you're sharing in terms of the cleansing and the protection is something that we can all benefit from day to day
1: absolutely yeah
0: and in terms of any specific rituals or practices that you follow to maybe enhance your connection to spirit I know that there might be some people listening that get quite inspired by what we're talking about today and think I want to deepen my practice with connecting with the spirit world, perhaps as someone that's passed on that they've lost that they really want to connect with. Or just opening up to energy and spirit in a different way. Have you got anything that you could share on that?
1: Mm, yeah. And of course we all have the ability to connect with this. For some it's easier than others. That's all it is. And as I say, I think if you are really firstly looking at clearing and grounding and protecting your energy instantly, I think you'll find you are Feeling more intuitive. Once you start to feel more intuitive, it may be that you'd start to notice the whispers of those messages coming through in symbols, in nature, in things that you start to notice, a feather dropping by or a Robin appearing. And you actually start to look at those signs and symbols in a different way and with a different view on how they connect with you. But I would say a really lovely tangible way to start connecting not only with messages maybe from spirit because maybe the idea of connecting with a dead family or friend can be quite overwhelming but if you come at it at a slower pace in that this is maybe about being more intuitive Mm -hmm. and then when you start to connect with your intuition you understand that you're connecting with source and your inner guidance and then from there you can then start to connect with your spirit guides and then you might want to go to the next level and you start speaking to your dead ancestors but I think a lovely really tangible and fun way to start that is just working with some oracle cards connecting with a deck of cards that feels really fun starting to get to know them shuffling them having them with you and then maybe just even if it's once a week Building up every day, just really connecting with yourself through a few deep breaths or meditation and then pulling a card and understanding that that message is often your intuition. It's often something that you probably already know. Again, it's something that you've probably already been feeling, but Mm -hmm. you haven't given yourself permission to really hear. And then understanding that that message comes from yourself, but that message within yourself also comes from source, which is spirit, which is energy, which is us, which is connected all as one. So it's it's that understanding that this is all one thing. And but I think working with the Oracle card just gives you a really tangible thing to do. And it really helps you build up your intuitive gifts, which then often can lead to working with your Claire's or your psychic gifts if you want to go down that path. But just starting with the idea of being more intuitive is just the perfect way to really start, I would say, for anyone. Yeah. And it's it's such a an eye opening experience because it can lead to so many
0: things. Yeah, I love it. I feel like that's the spirit connection starter kit right there. Yeah. <laughs> the Oracle deck. Because it is fun and there are some really, really beautiful decks as well. And when I bring them into my ceremony spaces People are just like, they've either worked with them before or they haven't. And if they're new to them, they're like, oh, what's this? And they pull a card and then they're like, wow, that -hmm. is literally what is going on for me right now. And sometimes it is just, yeah, like you say, it's that little reminder to trust yourself, to trust your intuition. I think with everything that we're saying, it all comes back to trust, right? Mm -hmm. Accepting who we are and trusting our own gifts and our own intuition and our own knowing. So yeah, I really love that. And I feel like we need to do a little collective card reading at the end of the <laughs> podcast. So, in terms of these messages that you're receiving and the guidance that you're giving, how do you handle perhaps more challenging or emotionally charged messages that might come through when you are doing a reading?
1: Yeah, it's it's it sometimes can be really hard. As I said, I have clear empathy, so sometimes I uh, that those emotions literally take over me physically and in some readings I do get tearful and often with just the love that it's Mm. bringing but sometimes of course there can be sadness not everyone has the privilege of passing over in a place where they are at peace and happiness and sometimes there are a few things that are left unsaid or unresolved that do come through in messages but I always then have to remind myself that Those things are shared because they then need to give the resolve or the closure or that support to those that are left human side, (laughs) earthbound. Because those that have passed over are at peace and they are forgiving and they are in a space that they are truly at rest and enjoying themselves. But yeah, sometimes it's hard. And because I am quite sensitive to energy all the time, it's really about reading the person that you're reading for, being able to convey the message that is in a way that supports them Mm -hmm. and is, again, empowering and has that intention and is just not delivered in a way that is going to be more triggering or more traumatizing to them. So I do think you do have to have some. You do have to have some people skills to be able to do this and deliver those messages in the way that they should be conveyed, which is, as I said, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but always with love Mm -hmm. and that best intention. But it's hard. And then I have to obviously come out of that session and then my practices really come back into play. I really then have to clear my energy, ensure that I'm not sat with that that energy of those messages left on me or impacting me for the rest of my day that I come back and I'm grounding myself again in after that particularly when they've been quite emotional messages and of course that I'm I've always protected my energy so that they can't in me in a way that then is detrimental to me so it can be hard but also it can be beautiful as i say and it, that's often why i get so emotional in some readings because just feeling that love or feeling the change that some of those messages can bring to someone can be so powerful, so, so powerful. And just, as I said earlier, for
0: some people, life-changing. So, yeah. It was for me, for sure. I think definitely in the last reading that we had, the spirit guide reading, I almost in some ways didn't even expect my mum to come in Because I, it's almost like she's a given, like I know that she's there. So the fact that there were so many clear messages, not only from her, but from her mum as well. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, and it was just so needed in that moment. Everything that was channeled was so supportive. And it was things that I was voicing in conversation, but it was also stuff that I hadn't actually shared with anyone other than my journal. So yeah, to to have that support was just so incredible and I guess I would be intrigued to hear about any misconceptions or any myths that you would like to squash around this work that you do because I know that we are speaking to it in a very positive light and that isn't always the way things work with spirit, but Mm. if there's anything that you want to speak to on that, I would love to hear it.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are so many. It's really difficult because I think particularly, I suppose, more in the psychic medium world, there is a lot of doubt. There's a lot of charlatans as well. So it does, like with any industry, it gets a bit of a bad rep sometimes. But I think probably a couple of the big ones is obviously, we've touched on it already, is about the whole idea of contacting the dead is a scary experience and something that only happens in spooky horror films when it's and really things. dark yeah <laughs> and spirits come out in the day as well so that's probably one myth right there that it only happens at night but you know I think it's like with anything there is good and there is bad and it's about ensuring that you do things safely or with knowledge and with people that you can trust if mm-hmm. you want to Start working in the spirit world, I suppose one thing that's come up I get asked a lot is about Ouija boards, and this is absolutely my personal opinion. I don't work with them, and that is purely because I don't have the experience to. It's not at all in terms of divination that I have chosen to work with. I do work with other tools, but there are some amazingly gifted spirit workers out there that will solely work with Ouija boards or spirit boards because Ouija is actually a
0: Oh, is it? Yeah. Interesting.
1: Um, great bra- ra- yeah, great branding know. in oh, the no. Well done then. <laughs> and, that, and that's not me saying that you should or shouldn't work with them. I would just always say just that with any spirit work, you should do it with someone who knows what they're doing. Mm. That's the difference. And so again, that's not me dissing the Ouija board at all. It's just, it's not my chosen mm. route or tool. But if it's something that interests you, Find someone who knows what they're doing, yeah. learn from them or practice with them, sit with them in a what, a spirit board circle with them, do it that way. I suppose the other thing that I experience with reading sometimes is when people come to a reading and they want to hear from a particular person and we have to remember that spirit has free will. So if they don't want to turn up for a reading... They might be busy doing something else exciting in their wonderful spirit world they don't have to turn up and I think the most beautiful thing that I heard from someone that I learned with is that actually sometimes when we desperately want to hear from somebody and we don't we get disheartened because it wasn't them that turned up in the reading and that sort of puts a dampener on it and you can then maybe think the reading wasn't very good because they didn't get that particular person. That That is is sad that that's how it happens. But I understand that some people may feel like that. But actually, the way that we should see it is if we really want to connect with one particular person and they don't show up, it's probably because they actually think we're doing all right. Mm. It's probably because they haven't got anything to share with us that we need to hear from them. Spirit will turn up for you when you need to hear from them. So... For example, if I really want to hear particularly from my grandma and she doesn't come to me in a reading, I now accept that she's probably just like, yeah, she's all right. You don't need me. (laughs) She doesn't need to hear from me or that I don't need to hear the message delivered from her. So that's also sometimes how it works. Some spirit guides or ancestors or past loved ones that you knew, some of them can be better at delivering a message than others. Mm -hmm. So it may be that in their earthbound life, they were quite direct with you. So if you really need a kick up the bum about something, it might be that it's better for them to deliver the message. If it's maybe something that isn't as powerfully needed, it might be that actually a softer, gentler energy from someone maybe you didn't know but was in your family who maybe had a connection that would be related to the message. So for example, if you had somebody in your family who maybe had a particular job that was relevant to the message you were were needing to hear, then they might come Mm. forward and deliver that message. Or if it was something that needed a little bit more nurturing and a loving approach, it might be that it comes through from a relative that you had that relationship Mm. with that was more comforting so it's just coming back to that having no expectation and being really open-minded to what's there yeah and who comes through because then when you do that then there's
0: just all sorts of magic Mm, yeah I love that so much thank you for sharing I guess what you're saying in maybe not these exact words is it all comes down to that intuition that building of relationship to yourself first because I think especially when we've lost someone Or, yeah, we feel in that space of perhaps desperation or lacking or whatever it might be. We always want help when we really need it, right? And so sometimes we can have it in our head that we need to receive this guidance. We need to receive this guidance. But, yeah, how about just bringing that back to us guiding ourselves and tuning Mm. into that intuition? I think that's what I really want to give you space to speak to because a lot of your work is really in this well it's rooted in this knowing this guidance this inner wisdom that we all have access to and you even teach what I'm calling intuition mastery Um, Mm, I'm gonna have that yeah which is you're, you're running a course right now and it's all about helping others navigate these changes in their lives and building this trust of themselves and I know personally that when I'm deeply deeply connected to myself and my spirit I'm trusting my intuition all the time and it's just the way that I navigate life. I don't think to myself, oh, I'm really trusting my intuition right now. But life becomes almost easeful and it comes back to, yeah, that trust and that knowing that I'm on the right path. So for someone that might be listening that may be quite new to this concept of intuition, how would you define it and why do you believe that it's so crucial for personal growth? mm
1: of this topic so geez. so yeah firstly I just wanted to say about intuition that I feel like this word intuition intuitive expanded around quite a lot and has become almost a little bit wishy-washy mm. and that makes me a little bit sad because actually when you decide to become more intuitive it's a big deal it's not something that necessarily happens overnight. It's a process. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's why it's so deeply rooted in a lot of my work. So coming back to the idea of what intuition is, this is about your inner guidance system, this, this thing that we're all born with, we're all born intuitive, that is actually our inner guidance system that is there to guide us through life with the best intention for survival but from a place of allowing us to live our best life in in this form that we're in right now. And that intuitive guidance, that inner guidance, that inner voice is connected to source, it's connected Mm. to universe, it's then connected to spirit and that's how it goes on and on and on. But it's a blend of our soul, our memory, maybe from previous lives or lives that we're living elsewhere. It has a splashing of our experiences that we've already lived through as well. So it's this wonderful combination that allows us to be guided in a way that is truly for us to live in our alignment and purpose. The thing that often happens for so many of us is that this idea of intuition for us intuitively listening and working with ourselves is suppressed and squashed out of us as a child Mm -hmm. often when we start to go into the systems that are created in the way that we live now they don't allow for space to be intuitive or for us to listen to ourselves it's all very much based on logical and practical thinking factual data-based decision making there is no room for us to be intuitive and that is the sad thing this is a a thing that does get squashed out of us we're led to believe that actually following our intuition is not viable because it doesn't then conform to the systems that we've been put into whether that's from when you're at school or when you start your job or Mm -hmm. all of these crazy things that we we think we need to do they just don't have space for intuition. So when we decide that we want to be more intuitive, this is often a real calling, very much like me from my experience was, it was my intuition that told me that I needed to change my life. And it can be a real journey because not only do we have to then unlearn everything and all these systems that haven't allowed us to be intuitive, We then have to learn how to be intuitive. We have to come back to that. And it's very much like going to the gym. Our intuition is a muscle that we then have to build back up. And as we build it back up, it has that remembrance. It starts to remember what it's for and then it builds and it gets stronger and it gets stronger. And then you start to connect with all these other beautiful, innate feelings and synchronicities that are going on around you. But it's one thing to decide that you're going to be more intuitive. It's another thing to then start building that muscle, practicing how to hear it. That in itself is, is work mm. and can be fun. But the biggest thing, once you start to hear it, is then acting on it, and that is the fundamental mm. thing that everyone has the most resistance of because. That act of listening and then being proactive about what you hear in your intuition can be big. And sometimes it can be huge and can have a huge knock on effect and impact in your life. For example, one thing that I did that was led from intuition was quit my corporate job. And this is not to say that people need to start quitting their <laughs> jobs, but that was a process that I built up to. And no regrets, of course. But I love when I start with students, I suppose, that come and work with me on working with their intuition that everyone's always at different points. And I think there is this kind of this strange feeling that people seem to think, oh, I want to be more intuitive. And literally, within a week, I need to live in this intuitive, beautiful life. And and sadly, for most of us, it just doesn't work that quickly Mm -hmm. or that way this is definitely a process and that's why I love to take people on that journey to really guide them and help them find the ways that they can build the muscle Mm -hmm. of their intuition and what that might then bring and help navigate that because parts of that can be overwhelming and a bit scary and this is all about unlearning a lot as well and that in itself really can need holding Mm -hmm. and nurturing Mm -hmm. And telling people that it's okay to one day feel really intuitive and the next day completely ignore it and learn from that so it's a big thing and it's a big part of your own healing journey mm. if that if that's the path you choose to go down with it so
0: yeah I guess it's that inner compass isn't it and trusting mm. that like what you were just speaking to we get into these systems and we just we do what we're told and we don't realize we're doing it but we are working to somebody else's Plan somebody mm-hmm. else's intuition. Yeah. So it's all about coming back to our own. And I guess the daunting thing sometimes is that our intuition is telling us to do something completely different to what we're doing. Yeah. And then it's like, whoa, hang on a minute. I've created this life and I'm doing all these things, but yeah, there's something inside of me that is saying, this isn't for you. This isn't giving your soul what you need. And I know that I've had it before. Like the deeper that I get with my own intuition, it's like, Sometimes I actually question it, and I'm like, am I not just making this up? How do I differentiate between my inner knowing and that intuition and me just thinking something, if that makes sense? How do you distinguish and trust your intuition over just other voices that you have going in your head? Mm, so
1: this is a big part of it. And probably the thing I get asked most about those who, who journey with me on my intuition journeys It's about, again, it's part of this unlearning and learning what is intuition and what is my ego. The simplest way to summarize it without going into all the detail right now, but is remembering that your intuition only has your best interest at heart, is only going to be guiding you in the right direction. It's not going to lie to you, whereas your ego wants to often keep you safe and comfortable So it's probably not gonna be pushing you to quit your job or think in a different direction. So I often get people who are working with me to when they're thinking about making a decision to allow the first thing to drop into their mind and then feel into it. Did that feel intuitive or does that feel like ego? And try and look at it from that point of view That in itself can take some time and practice, of course. So I often say start with some small things like what you're having for dinner and decide what first comes in, feel into if that was intuitive or is that ego? Is it saying that you want that just because it's in the fridge or is it saying that you feel you need something else that you might have to go out and get, which you can't maybe be bothered to do, but actually your body's really calling for that in a nourishing way. So not making drastic decisions, just playing around with how that feels. Another really good way of testing yourself and your intuition and how that can and can't feel sometimes is going back to a time or a situation. It might have been about a person or a place or a situation where you had a gut feeling because our gut feeling is very much our intuition. It's how it physically manifests itself for it to be heard. Sadly, we often only hear the gut feeling when it's something that's off. And again, this is mainly down to the fact that we've suppressed our intuition so much we don't hear the exciting calls from our gut. We just hear the negative one. And go back to a point where you had that feeling in your gut that something didn't feel right. And then think about whether or not you went with it. And if you went... Against it, and you still went into that situation, that place, or with that person, and then your intuition ended up being right, or your gut feeling was right. There's your evidence. Mm-hmm. There's your evidence to tell you that your intuition was trying to give you that signal and it was right. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's so many things that we can probably all look back at in our past where we've gone, knew that I had mm-hmm. that feeling. And that, for me, if you want to then still live in the systems that we are there's your factual evidence and it gives you that real confirmation that okay well if I think about those times can I trust this decision I'm about to make Mm. based on that kind of theory as well so it's hard isn't it I think
0: just as like one of the living examples that you've been speaking to today is that quitting your job obviously your ego is going to come in and it's going to be like why would you do that why would you give up a stable income to not know where your next money's coming from and instantly we shift into that fear-based thought yeah but if you drop in and allow that fear to melt away the truth is you wanted to quit your job I wanted to quit my job and it's having that trust isn't it to actually be able to listen and to really believe and not just fall back into that fear-based thought
1: Mm. and and fear is another element of ego Mm. it's it's made up that we believe but but I suppose I can completely empathize with anyone who might be listening who's like well that's easier said than done and of course there were months and months and months that went by where I was living that ego state if we're talking about the idea of quitting your job where I was like I can't do that I can't possibly do that. Where would my money come from? How would I pay my bills? That that would be more stressful than the uncomfortable life I'm living now, not feeling aligned or true to myself. And I had to just chip away at that. Like I was saying earlier, for, for so many people, becoming more intuitive isn't an overnight thing. And it's about really working with yourself. And that's part of the journey. And seeing those small decisions that you make The magic when you do go with your intuition and building up to some of those bigger decisions maybe like quitting your job or moving or changing career or so you know for anyone who is listening who's just like I can't possibly possibly even think about that right now then then don't come Mm -hmm. back to those smaller things and build that intuitive muscle until you feel confident that if your intuition is still telling you something big needs to change then build up
0: to it and mm. don't don't
1: put that pressure on yourself
0: yeah and it is trusting the niggle because it yeah. starts as a niggle right Oh yeah always to starts even starts have the niggle. thought of like oh is this job what I want to be doing to even have that thought it's coming from somewhere yeah it's not course. just especially if it's it inviting you to go against the an in inverted commas norm mm-hmm. it's like how can you lean into that yeah I feel like intuition is something that really does start small and it is like you say something that you do have to chip away at also be really patient with wow I feel like we could talk for hours about intuition (laughs) and probably do a whole four-week course just sitting here but I'd love to just invite in a few closing questions as we come to the end of our time together today this podcast is all about sacred shifts those shifts in life that we either choose or they choose us and I would love to hear from you what Perhaps the smallest shift is that has had the biggest impact in your life. I think it's going back to that small, intuitive
1: decisions. it's just starting small and building. I think I really did lean into that. The little decisions that I would make day to day, then week to week. It was like, how am I going to live month to month? And that all started with reminding myself of the things that I hadn't listened to, pulling some cards, all of those really lovely delicate subtle ways of working with my intuition but they have obviously those small actions have led to big change Mm. so yeah that's that's definitely
0: my small shift beautiful and it's something that listeners can do literally today so that's really lovely and seeing as you also read tarot and work so beautifully with tarot this question is a great one for you (laughs) you'll probably know the answer straight away trusting your intuition If your life was a tarot card right now in this moment, what would it be and why? That's easy.
1: The moon. So I love that card because it's so mystical. But I feel particularly for myself this year, this card came up as my guiding star card Mm. for the year. And the card has so many meanings and depths to it. But for me, the thing that really sprung out for this year was that I can be this Tame, lovely, fluffy. I'm thinking about the two animals in the card here. <laughs> before it was so where'd she go with this? It was the moon. Yeah, I can be this nurturing, tame, loving companion and friend and empathize and be sensitive. But on the other side, I can be this wild wolf who is embracing the darker side of things the shadow and doing that work on myself but also supporting others to come through that so I just love that it has those two elements like this pet dog and this wild wolf and that I am so excited about embracing both parts of that and of course the moon and its wonderful connection to all the phases that we have and I really feel like for me I am in a new phase of myself and I'm excited to see where the next phase goes. Mm. I feel like probably the last year I was quite deep in the work with myself and in that shadowy part. I do feel like I'm coming out, so it's almost like a a waxing mm. phase now. But yeah, I, the moon is definitely my my vibe
0: for this year. Beautiful. Yeah, I can imagine you howling like the wolf. I feel like maybe we need to go and do that soon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> calling in that wildness. Yeah, that's so amazing. Beautiful. Yeah, I feel like I need to go and pull a card immediately. (laughs) So you have a lot to offer. Everything that we've covered today and so much more. I feel like we need to come back and do another episode to delve a bit deeper into the rest of it. But if people want to connect with you, if they're curious to find out more about what you're up to, about who you are and what you're offering, where is the best place to get in touch?
1: I suppose the best place to find out what I'm up to is on my Instagram channel, which is Senses by Sim and that I update regularly that has all of the current journeys I'm offering my one-to-one sessions also any intuitive journeys and courses that I will be offering in the future
0: amazing well Sim thank you so much I felt all of the emotions today and it really is this beautiful moment of us sat here in this podcast room being weird (laughs) (laughs) grown-ups after everything we've been through over the last 14 years so yeah I just want to say thank you from my heart to yours for being here and sharing all of your magical wisdom
1: oh thank you for having me in this very grown-up situation which is (laughs) kind of fun but also yeah a huge celebration of both of us
0: Thank you for listening to the Sacred Shifts podcast with me, your host, Betty Lewis-Griffiths. It really does mean the world to me to have you here. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would absolutely love it if you could rate, review, and subscribe. If you follow on Spotify, then it will add the latest episodes into your podcast and show, so they're waiting for you. How good is that? I'd love to hear your thoughts on today's episode. Find me on Instagram at BeWithBetty. See you back here soon for more conscious conversations about sacred shifts.